This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. If you've ever listened to the podcast in the past, you might have heard me talking about AI, artificial intelligence. Sure, you've heard all about it. It's in the news. Well, you hear the drama, but you're not really hearing about it. You're hearing about fake videos and fake ransom calls and all kinds of scary stuff, but not a lot of talk out there about what AI is really doing, which is a little strange to me. I'm already hearing people that are you know, getting away from it. I don't like it. I don't want anything to do with it. Well, I don't really have a. a a strong opinion on that. I guess I do, but it's not why I brought it up. The point is, I've been using it every day, every single day using AI. Not because I have to, because I want to, because I find it to be a remarkably helpful tool. In fact, what you are listening to right now is not really me. No, it is me. And I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute as far as recreating me. For the podcast, I, I ran a test on it, and I'll tell you how he made out. Not what you think. I'm getting, getting. I'm guessing. Anyway, it's not so much the AI breakthrough that I want to talk about. Um, I just wanted to mention that there have, well, at least for me, I guess in, in learning new things, and I'm no expert on it. Um, you know, I don't have any, you know, in depth background experience on this. Like I do some other things, and uh, I'm just learning as I go, like a lot of other people. And um, I don't know, I would say to you, am I, am I ahead of the curve? Uh, I don't think so. I wouldn't say I'm ahead of the curve on AI as a whole. I'm going to say I'm probably a little behind, believe it or not, using it every day. Uh, it's just the things that I'm using it for, they're not very technical. I'm not getting the results I, I might uh, thought of I would like to get out of it in, in a few things. And maybe I'll talk about that part later, too. But anyway, enough of that. This all led me to something that I thought was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Now, before I tell you this phenomenal AI discovery, (laughs) I hate when I do that, but this is important that you understand. Before I tell you what led to that discovery, you need to understand how AI knows what it knows or does what it does. And it has to learn on something or be trained on something. And that something is data. And I could go on and on about this. You've heard me talk about it in the past. If you've heard me talking about this issue at all, my voice is getting raspier as I talk. This cold is clearing out slowly. Maybe I've got like white lung, white nostril, heavy, you know, sinus and face. It's it's funny, right? Who sent me the email? Nobody talks about having a cold anymore. I I got a cold. No, everything's... You know, snophilophagus, that Pico phase two RVS. I'm like, oh man, it's just sick like normal. Everybody's going crazy. But anyway, the AI's got to learn on something. And the particular AI that I'm using, I think, I'm guessing, is learned on, trained on, purchased data. That's what I'm guessing. Um, this would be a combination of available. Uh, open source internet data, publicly sourced information, and um, you know, combining that all together, 
and then maybe some other large publishers, willing participants. I'm not so sure about that. Some of it's stolen, <laughs> you could say, legally stolen. Uh, social media, scanning hard drives, I believe it is all going on, but let's stay on point. The point is that the AI is largely going to represent the popular opinion of the time. In today's terms, that would typically mean liberal. Okay? Listen to what the answer to this question was. I'm going through this AI stuff, and I have this brilliant idea. Come, I'm playing around with these different things. The particular thing that caught my attention was uh, I saw a demo of AI that I have, the one that I use, and they created this video script out of a bullet point list. And I was like, wow, it was cool. Really cool. You could use that to have an AI-generated cartoon and probably narrate it with an AI voice. You don't need humans at all. Hmm, not so fast. We'll get to that, like I said. But anyway, I'm looking at this, and they're going <clears throat> through some different exercises in, in getting to this. And I had this idea. I plug into the AI. I said, you, meaning the AI, are elected president of the United States. What are the first three things you do? <laughs> you are elected president of the United States. What are the first three things you would do, AI? Why isn't anybody else doing this, I wonder? What do you think the answer is? Do you think AI I could answer it? Would you trust the answer if it gave it to you? Hmm? You're going to be blown away when I tell you. I'm going to give you the AI words, and I'm going to give it to you how I would say it. And I'm going to tie that into the limitations of the AI. Are you with me? Here's what AI said when I asked the question. AI said, if I were elected president of the United States, my first three priorities would be Number one, addressing national unity. I would work towards fostering unity and healing divisions among the American people. This would involve promoting dialogue, understanding, and respect across different communities and political ideologies. So that was number one, addressing national unity. Can you argue with that priority that if division is our number one problem, if division is what's preventing us from having real tangible progress, if division is what's distracting us from working together so that we can all truly benefit, it's a solid argument. Number two, this is what AI said, three things that AI would do if elected president. Implementing comprehensive economic for reforms. Number one, addressing national unity. Number two, implementing comprehensive economic reforms. And then what do you think number three is? I would prioritize restoring trust in democratic institutions. And, AI says, AI says, Ensuring the integrity of elections. <laughs> I should have asked it what would be the top 10 things they would do. 
Maybe we'll run that test later. Now, I didn't give you all the verbiage here in the um, characterization of these. Um, you know, I would I would definitely go a step further. I'm going to get into that a little bit, how I feel about the this in a literal sense. But how can you argue? Bring the country together. Get our, uh, our finances together. And fix the elections so that the people truly have a voice. People working together, economic reform, prosperity, and fair elections that we have a proper voice in what's going on. How do you argue with that? That's AI. Why don't we follow it? I mean, to me, it sounds better than the Democrat plan. But you know what other plan it sounds better than to me? The Republican plan. I haven't really heard one. I guess Trump has one. I've been hearing dribs and drabs. Let me tell you, this really um, made me think about a couple of things. As I think of um, this podcast as kind of being a springboard to a new era, because it, I think it really can be. We'll see. <laughs> what kind of new era we're going to find out. Um, but it made me think of, of a few things I wanted to talk about. Number one, you know, our country has seen better days. Definitely seen better days. A couple of years ago, to be exact, but some people would argue that. Now, to be fair, sound like Obama. Now, to be fair, um, it's a, a good talking uh, rhetoric tactic, by the way, to acknowledge the other point of view. Right? To be fair, the country's also had worse times. If you were a slave in America, it was a lot worse then than it is for white people today. Hmm? I'm going to say true, <laughs> largely true. You know, it's all a matter of perspective, right? But the country has had better days, which means that we can have better days again. Right now, what do we see? Uh, a, a, a world at war, a country at war, people that are unhappy. Why? What are, what are the core reasons? Well, the division that we're being pitted against each other, the finances, we're taxed too much, government debt is through the roof. These are the practical realities of this. But the bigger point, the bigger problem right now, people have lost hope. People don't see a future. And if you don't see what I'm talking about, just ask yourself how hard it is for a young family to buy a home today. Who listening can tell me that they have an adult child who's buying a home without their help? I'd be fascinated to know. I know you can't do it here. Everybody that I know, all of my friends that have adult children are helping them buy homes. I'm wondering what my son's going to do. Young people, they're giving up because the situation isn't very attractive, if not hopeless. And what happens when a future generation turns its back on a nation? And everybody wants to bash the young people. There's a place where you need to start looking at things a little differently right there. Quit bashing and start talking and start encouraging Either way, we need a solution, and we need it quickly. 
The country's headed downhill fast with an end in sight that's predicted by many, and it's not attractive. We need a solution. We need leadership. Joe Biden is not the answer to that. The guy has no vision, literally. (laughs) We need visionary leadership in this country. I don't know if I'd say a guy like, you know, Elon Musk, but we need a builder, not a bureaucrat. We need somebody who cares more about this country than themselves. And it has to start with somebody who's willing to tell us the truth, whether we want it or not, whether people like hearing it or not, whether people get angry or not. You know, people that think that progress means, you know, reimagining everything, recreating everything. I don't view that as progress at all. And before we can have any real meaningful progress that we've seen before, we need to restore this country. Restore it to what? No, not restore it to slavery or segregation or women can't vote. No, no, it's not what I'm talking about. What am I talking about? We need to restore our values of what? That marriages are important, marriages and family first, and hard work matters. We need to restore our Constitution, meaning that the rights of the individual comes above the government, not the other way around. Restoring our freedom, meaning we choose, not the government. And here's the thing. We're the only ones that can do it. You know, as I've looked around internationally a little bit, whether it's Gaza, Argentina with their new president, Ireland with the all-out onslaught against their own citizens, practically, Canada, Australia with the draconian jabs, people are pushing back. And when the people do, government responds. And if we don't start acting soon, everything's going to be lost. Our political leaders today are completely corrupt. What does that mean? It means that they're not acting in our best interest, and they're doing real harm to our country. How long are we supposed to believe this nonsense? I literally saw a whole essay explaining why uh, immigration, they say, is important to the economy. I have no argument on that, by the way. None. Zero. I just think that it should be done legally. You can't have anybody... And anybody, everybody and anybody, coming across our border at any time, we don't know who they are, what they're doing, what they're up to. That's not fair to anybody. It's not fair to having people coming here destitute and you give them a $5,000 visa and throw them on the street. And we're angry about it. Come up with a legal system to make it right and push it through. And this is what I say about telling people what they don't want to hear. And if they're going to be here on work visas, then put them here on work visas and and monitor it. And they should be taxed. Either way, the argument that this rampant immigration is somehow good for us is ridiculous. And when you hear these snake oil salesman politicians, all right, some people feel strongly about the issue. I'll move on to Ukraine. That they want to argue, they literally have plans for years down the road for munitions manufacturing and um, military equipment manufacturing in Ukraine. They've got like a whole 10-year plan. 
What does that tell you? They're not looking for peace at all. Look at Harvard. What's going on there? Did you know that Harvard received, I've talked about this. They receive more money from the federal government than they do in tuition. That's pretty fascinating. I mean, at that point, it's really an office of the government, isn't it? I don't know. We need to make changes. We have to be the ones that do it. And the solution relies on justice, just laws that are enforced uniformly so that we don't have two systems of justice, just taxes that don't destroy wealth and business, just leaders who speak the truth, do what's right, and do what's in the best interest of their constituents. takes effort and focus, but it's not really hard to eliminate corruption and uh, restore integrity, our national integrity. We need new laws that punish these bad actors. And this is not easy to do, but it takes a a contingent in office that would push for it. Laws that I call violations of public trust. And in some cases, the penalty needs to be hanging. And I do mean hanging. I don't mean these comfy drugs. I mean hanging. As severe as that sounds... What should be the penalty for uh, bankrupting a nation? What should the penalty be for that? How about stealing an election? What should the penalty be for that? We need strict laws that punish in the harshest terms anybody who acts in a way that violates our Constitution or acts in a way that corrupts our country or our society. Now, if you want to make this real simple, the core problem is the money. Follow the money, you usually find the source of the problem. So let's go back to Harvard a second. Harvard is so far gone liberal loony, not even. I don't even know how you could give it the label of liberal and and fairly say that. I really don't. Um, It's something completely different. A monster. A monster of its own making. Some baseless, evil monster. They, so they get all this money, a couple billion a year. Let me repeat that to you. A couple billion a year. That would probably solve the budget shortfall for New York City. Imagine that. In one little move. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You might be thinking that, you know, they're keeping their tuition low. That's not the case. Not at all. That's not what they're doing. You know, lo and behold, son of a gun, that Harvard makes political contributions? Get the hell out of town. And so does, like, a lot of other colleges that are funded in the same way. So you mean to tell me that they're taking federal money to the college, which is a private institution, and then they donate some of it back to political campaigns and parties. What do you call that? It's called, um, oh yeah, money laundering. Isn't that amazing? Oh, they're going to argue. They're going to fight. Laws I call violations of public trust that in some cases the penalty needs to be hanging. Punishing people who engage in these things 
in the harshest terms that anybody who acts in a way that violates our Constitution or hurts our, our country, our society. You follow the money, you'll find the source of the problem easily. It should all be traced and made completely transparent. As well as a, a very simple diagram, just like the government insisted on your credit card bill should be included with your taxes. Here's how we're pissing your money away. We can't afford politicians to have control over the, the value of money, which is exactly what they do when they print money. Taxing in advance, you could say. Not to worry. We can tax you a dollar. We'll glad you, gladly tax you a dollar today for two from your children tomorrow, which is exactly what's happening. Whether it's gold or some other fixed value, money needs to have a, a fixed value, fixed to a certain um, fixed value. I'm not saying that right. We can't have a citizen-led government that allows untold amounts of debt and spending when the people authorizing it, in most cases, haven't even read the bill. They're approving 2,000-page, multi-trillion-dollar spending bills in the middle of the night with no oversight. It's ridiculous. No understanding of what's even going on. It's mayhem. And the only logical thing to do is to break it up. Break it up. Put it back to the states. But let's not go into that nosedive. But either way, we've got to have accountability in our government in order to restore trust. People don't trust the government. People don't trust the media. They don't trust their doctors. They don't trust the government. Who can you trust? The banks? Good luck. You don't think that this is important that we restore this trust. Let me ask you this. Who's more of a criminal, the person who robs one house or the politician who robs them all? Who's more dangerous, the criminal who uh, attacks a person or the politician who attacks a country? We need to be very serious about this problem that we have and even more serious about the solution. AI said the top three things we need to do. Unity, economy, election integrity. I'd add these important priorities. Restore the Second Amendment fully. Empower people to defend themselves, and it will be confidence restored. Secure the border. People will immediately begin to see a future. And repeal the heinous 16th Amendment and ban all property taxes for personal residents, at least up to a certain amount. This, listen to me a minute. I know this is not an attractive conversation as SEAL Team 6 and, you know, uh, Hunter, you know, showing up uh, on crack for a deposition or whatever. But the 16th Amendment is the most heinous un-American law. Here's what it says. Listen to me. It's very short. The Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment amongst the several states and without regard to any census or enumeration. It is completely, complete, carte blanche, wide open, unlimited ability to tax at least income. 
Now, who in their right mind would turn over such control? All of it. They could tax. All you say, that's ridiculous. Oh, really? Don't They have done it in the past. Very high incomes, 90% tax rates has been in our history. How can we live freely when the government can take any whatever it wants at any time? It's a, a issue that's central to America being America, the fundamental right to keep the money you earn and spend it as you wish. And it must be restored fully. Consider this. Federal government takes in as much money as all of the states, all of the towns, and all of the cities combined. And that money taken from the local and state governments, what does it do? It's robbing communities of important resources that are not only not used for our benefit, but in many cases used in programs that are bad for us. What do we got to do in practical terms? Enact stiff anti-corruption laws that hold politicians accountable, secure elections, paper ballots, verified ID, only, only. Create a clear paper trail so there's never a question again who won an election. Restrict the government's ability to spend. Restore the Second Amendment. Secure our borders. Bring our troops home. And enact freaking term limits for God's sake. (laughs) How much longer can we take Nancy Pelosi? But what matters most is the foundation, the base, and that's us. We decide who we are as a people. Not a book, not some bobblehead in Washington. We decide always. It's called character. And one thing about character is that it will get tested. That's why the foundation is so important. That foundation begins with what we believe to be true, to what we believe to be righteous, to what we believe to be good. And so whether, for example, you believe in the preservation of life or not, I say, of course I do. Do you? A person who who does believe in the preservation of life will act a little differently. A person who genuinely believes in the preservation of life will act differently. What do I mean? Well, they may stop to help an animal in distress, whereas somebody does indifferent. Or how about not engaging in risky sex that leads to an unwanted pregnancy? I know that's not always the case, but it's a fair number of them. Now just think about that a second. I've asked the question differently. If somebody believes that if their sexual gratification results in an unwanted pregnancy, that they have a right to kill it, is that a good person? How about the person that believes that everybody should be forced to chip in and pay for it too? Are they a good person? So what makes a good person anyway? It's an important question. Because when we have good people, we have good families. We have good families, we have good communities. We have good communities, we have good states. We have good states, we have a great country. Every one of those steps is contingent on one simple thing. The hard work and the determination of the American people. And there's been a long, long legacy of great Americans 
that we can look to as an example, sports, philosophy, uh, law, government, space exploration, technology, travel, medicine, everywhere you look, there's been great Americans that you can look to, leadership, innovation. Americans have made an impact on the lives of everyone around the world. Now, I didn't say it was all good. I never said it was perfect. But it has made a positive impact around the world. Cars, phones, airplanes, just a few of the many, many modern advancements that came from Americans. It's all made in China now, but it was all invented here by good people who worked hard and made sacrifices so that they could build a future for their families. That's all. That's all it was about. Of course, some people have more grandiose ideas of fame and fortune, but the basic American dream, building a future for their families, wholly, in so many ways, you may not believe that I do, creating something out of nothing. It's divine. The very beginning of the Bible, when you step back and look at it, in Genesis, formless and dark and empty, order from chaos, it's divine. And we have the ability to do it. Creating something out of nothing, creating a lifestyle, a, a happy lifestyle, a good lifestyle, good people looking for an opportunity, not for a handout and not even for a hand up, just an opportunity to create a lifestyle, a lifestyle that we choose. Not Bill Gates or some board or CPOG 28 or whatever the heck the last ridiculous UN meeting was, that we choose. That belief that we have a, a sacred right to happiness in as much as it are doing. And there's still pr- plenty of people in this country who believe in that. All we need is for government to get out of the way. I don't know who's going to be president. They don't get to decide on their own. And even if we get a great president, it doesn't mean that we can sit back and relax. It's up to us to speak our voice make our points known in one way or the other. We'll talk more about it when we come back, likely on Monday. God willing, I'll see you then. In the meantime, make it a great day.